All right, and I'm joined this week with Sam Blakesley, uh, composer, arranger, instrument, herder, you know, everything with this new album. Uh, an ensemble, too, Wistful Thinking. Um, welcome, man. How does it how does it feel to be so close? Let's see, the album comes out in a little over two weeks at the end of the month, July 30th. I mean, it's it's kind of, it's it's right there. How does it feel? Feels good. Uh, I'm really excited about it. We were initially supposed to record uh, the record in like, I think March 15th, uh, 2020, and then that got scrapped. <laughs> so the whole project has been postponed and uh, we were thankfully able to safely record in August. And yeah, it's just really cathartic to finally be able to get something out there. So, Man, that's, that's wild. Now, did you find yourself um, with delays like that? You know, obviously it's out of your control. But did you find yourself then like revisiting some tunes? You're like, wait, hold on. I have now have uh, I got a couple more months. Let me edit this a little bit more. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of interesting because I ended up by the end of that process, I ended up with about like 16 songs for this group. So it actually split up into two albums, um, one that is especially forthcoming. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and far in the future. But uh, the first one kind of turned out to be like the more acoustic uh, drummerless chamber, uh, kind of wistful, melancholic uh, uh, vibe for that. And then the second one kind of turned into uh, more of an electric fusion thing. And it's just kind of interesting because if we had have recorded uh, when we thought some of the things that ended up on the electric fusion thing probably would have ended up on the acoustic thing and, you know, vice yeah. versa. So it's just kind of interesting how it all shook out. But <laughs> how does it um, now, I guess, explain this band a little bit, because it's not, at least from my perspective, it's not just like, oh, here's a quintet, you know, like it's definitely the music is written in a more like chamber setting if you will like it's written more specifically for this group you know kind of expands upon like everything that you're able to do as a composer and, and all of that but like explain a little bit more behind that well it's kind of funny because the group didn't start with this uh you know big purpose other than just being a really easy group to tour with we had done you know tours with drummers and the minute you had a drum set in one car then okay now i need to add another car to get everyone around and you know, so I was just getting uh, dinner one time when I was home in Ohio with the guitarist, uh, Brandon Coleman and bassist, Matt Wiles. And we just kind of said, man, it'd be really easy to just pack up the three of us, you know, in one car and cheap hotel rooms and everything like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then from that pragmatic idea, then the more creative vision came alive. And um, as I started writing the music, I realized there were so many albums of this kind of smaller intimate nature uh that i really liked of like composers like kenny wheeler and bob brookmeyer um so those kind of smaller trios and and duos even kind of influenced the direction i wanted to go with this band was it um was it weird to because like okay when i think of like drummerless type projects you know it's usually trio you know that's kind of where, where i'm thinking like a horn into rhythm section players but like when you start adding more and then with the writing that becomes denser inherently was it was it a little weird to get used to like not having that kind of a of a, a rhythmic leader if you will behind the group while you're playing and 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 how did you find um your your ability of like the ebb and flow of intensity and whatnot with with the group and and what and everything there you know yeah i mean that was something that 
was kind of difficult to try to suss out when I was writing the music and getting ready to record because I think there's a tendency to uh, immediately go into things that um, don't have a drummer is just being okay we're going to do everything that we would if we had a drummer we're going to make sure the time is super even and everything is right in there and and I just kind of wanted to explore maybe a wider sense of the beat um, so I think that that is something that came across um, as a challenge because you still have to have ensemble um, blend rhythmically and everything like that. But it just was, it was a challenge to try to figure out when to let that go and when to come from a more traditional setting. Um, but the thing that I really like about it is that all the people that I've been playing with in this band, I've been playing with for almost like Chris, the saxophonist for almost 15 years. So those kind of risks that might, uh, be inherent when the drummer stops being there. There's so much trust between the ensemble that it, it makes it a little easier to jump into the different instrumentation, I think. Do you think that um, outside of compositionally, do you think that you get like a new uh, hurdle to jump over as, as like relating to the audience? You know, when you take out something like that, that's so relatable i guess you know to yeah. to the non-musician you know like they they know drums and like drums is one of those things like you can't ignore in that sense so how have you found like uh its ability to um be be relatable there and 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 other people uh how are, how are they open to it and and hearing it in that sense you know well i think when you take away that familiarity like you said it just kind of for me uh opened up a whole world texturally that I wanted to explore. Um, specifically with uh, the usage of, of Chris, he uses a lot of, he's a really expanded pedal board. Uh, so there's lots of electronic effects throughout the album and, and kind of more mysterious type timbres. So I think that that maybe fills the hole that people would be expecting from uh, the drummer keeping the, keeping the beat or creating that more sonic like carpet, if you will. Now, that's interesting because I like, so pedals, okay. Pedals, I think are like the hot thing in jazz now, you know, like everyone's just exploring, like, what are the other things that we can do? How do you then, and this is a difficulty with like compositions or, or composing in general, you know, like how do you then open up like, okay, we have this entire world, but let's, you know, bring it back in. Like, let's use things intentionally. Let's, let's go this way because I think sometimes like when you have that world of like so many different options, it can get like overwhelming to where you don't actually decide, you know, like you can't make forward progress because you're going so wide there. Sure. Well, I know like with, um, with Chris in, in particular, you know, he doesn't, I, I, well, I feel like there's a tendency with horn players in particular, when you just have a pedal, it's like, okay, I'm just going to add like synth, uh, back to exactly what I would play if I didn't have a pedal, you know? And I think that he really makes it a secondary instrument, which is kind of cool. And sometimes it's directly related to what he's playing. Other times he's able to just create some timbral texture that is like completely devoid of what the saxophone is actually doing. So I think that that kind of helps um, bring a little more intention to it. And it changes pretty drastically from song to song, I think. Um, but it's not just like amplifying, um, it's not mirroring something exactly that the horn would be doing anyways. It's creating a different kind of blanket uh, for the ensemble to, to generate uh, 
sentiment from, I think. And same thing with Brandon. I mean, he uses several effects with his guitar, which is more commonplace for him. But do you think the like having a guitar in that sense, you know, nothing like against guitar, but it it has a it has like a certain timbre associated with it, you know, like it it generally I feel like ends up a little bit brighter than a piano. And it, it's it's not always as dense, you know, were you then able to like work with him with using the pedals and everything to be able to help fill that out in places? Because, you know, listening to the record, obviously, um, it's not as like empty or as sparse as one would think like a, uh, um, a drummerless group might be or something or a group without a piano. Like it still is very harmonically dense and there's a lot of colors going on and everything there. So was that something that kind of like helped out, you know, and it, it kind of, I guess, pairs a little bit more with like, at least to me, that register of the auto sex, you know, and like, that's kind of like how I would, I don't know, pair it off in my head if I would, but you know, it, it's, it's interesting. Like, how did you, how did you uh, um, go through that? Because acoustically, like it definitely isn't the most um, filling band, if you will, you know, it's one of those yeah. things that you kind of have to go back to like production wise and listen to the pedals and listen to how things are coming in and, and balance it all and everything there. Well, I think, um, you know, you kind of talked about just to piggyback on another question yeah. before I get into this, like you kind of talked about, you know, when you take the drums out, where is that accessibility? And for me, the accessibility came from the guitar chair. Like yeah. that's what I was really trying to tap into, especially because there's a lot of more like indie rock kind of folk elements scattered throughout. Um, so like I knew that that would kind of bring into the fold um, people expecting a certain sound from those kind of compositions. The other thing with the like music in particular is that it was very guitar centric. So I wrote a lot that would uh, utilize like open strings and things that would um, lend themselves to more sustain than maybe just like a, you know, uh, West Montgomery kind of guitar sound, you know? So sure. um, I think, and Brandon just pretty much a, I mean, he's kind of a savant of, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what needs, what needs to be played when, you know, there's, there's really never been a time when he goes to something crazy on his pedal and I'm like, Oh, that's not at all what I was hearing. <laughs> yeah. You know? So I think that I'm just, I'm kind of spoiled with his sensitivity to those things. Um, but yeah, I think the guitars are really, interesting instrument to write for and i was a very amateur guitarist in high school so that's kind of like coming full I, circle yeah. yeah i just wanted to include more of like you know my musical upbringing all the very self-taught and <laughs> untrained you know <laughs> wanted to try to bring that out so but man it's it's interesting you know like you there are moments on it where like i know um i, I mentioned like the guitar and everything but there's moments on the tracks like i think of um the fifth one, Nomad's Lament, where it's it's like with the the accessibility of pedals and, and everything, it doesn't it doesn't sound like a guitar to in some respect. You know, like there are moments where like to me it reminds me of like a vibraphone or like bells or, or marimbas in that sense, in the way that it can get like ethereal and everything there, you know, behind it. So I don't I don't know. To to people listening, I think like it's a really cool compositionally what you've done. Cause it like even though it's still the same band, it's still the same four people from track to track. It definitely goes through like different moods and different, uh, you know, soundscapes or, or whatever to, 
do that. Cause that's, that's one thing that I think sometimes people get into is like, they have their band and then it's like, it's that same sound track after track after track. And that could like, that's not a bad thing, you know, but it's just, uh, it covers a wider spectrum, you know? Sure. Well, I mean, one of the things that I really wanted to, or that I'm just kind of interested in musically, like whatever the ensemble, like, you know, I write for big band and I write for this kind of smaller thing and they're kind of meant to be antithesis projects, but with the same goal of like having whatever ensemble up there, have the music that be actually being performed, um, kind of like leave people scratching their heads. Like, wait, I thought it was going to be this thing. And then now it's this thing, (laughs) something else, you know, and that's, I'm kind of proud of what the band was able to accomplish on some of the tracks like nomads. And another one would be uh, bygones or bygones where I think we're able to askew the, you know, the, supposed instrumentation to a degree that it just more like sounds like an organ or some some yeah instrument simultaneous instrument and um that's just one of the things that once we recorded because this was literally our first time playing together when we uh went into the uh studio because we this the tour that was supposed to happen in march 2020 didn't so so every it was just so fun because there was just so much risk involved but then it, everything was cohesive yeah um, you know, yeah, I'm just I'm lucky to have those folks in the ensemble. <laughs> now, you know, we kind of talked a lot about the nerdy stuff, if you will, you know, compositionally and everything. But like these tunes, I'm uh, I think it's all originals. Mm-hmm. You know, what was the was there always like an intention about like that these tunes should pair together? Or was it just like, here's a, a uh collection of songs i wrote that i think pair well together you know or like what was the overarching thing for you well i i wouldn't consider it like a, a suite or anything sure. as formal but there's definitely like this overarching sentiment that um i think it was about after two years in new york i was like very thankful to be uh working more and playing with some bands and doing some recording and things um but it just you know as a guy from the midwest where everything is very uh relaxed and predictable you know just those first two years just kind of felt like insane to me just the the frequency of everything and the how random it felt kind of um at times just playing with this band one night and this band another night and this you know all these things that as musicians we want to we want to work you know we want to play um but it just kind of at whenever i was here i started to miss some uh, friends back home, like Chris and Brandon, that I've been making music with for a decade, you know, and it's just so hard to replicate that kind of level of trust. Um, so I started booking some shows every so often and would go back to do some fun gigs. And But then whenever I was there, I'd think, oh, well, I miss these things in New York and I'd want to get back to New York to do the, all the things in the big band scene I was doing. And so it just kind of created this sentiment of like not totally feeling um, settled in either place quite yet you know or missing something about both of them uh and then uh right before we're going to record you know the shutdown happened so then that was (laughs) a whole other level of geographic and social isolation i'd say but how do you feel that um like the breadth of your writing has informed it you know because like i know you've written for large ensemble big band and whatnot i know you've written for like the ravinia type stuff where it was string quartet and 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 jazz uh quartet or, or anything you know you got this group now and then you, you're like talking about uh like idols like kenny wheeler and bob brookmeyer it's like man even when they have a small group 
it's just as intricate to a degree as just like a large band, you know, like how have you found that transition and, you know, do, do you find that they, they, they build off of each other, you know, because it's, like I said, it's not just like, here's a melody, here's a South section. We're going to play, you know, it's very uh, deliberate in, in a lot of the tunes. Well, I, I, I mentioned earlier that I kind of view writing for big band and this project is kind of like antithesis things where a lot of my big band stuff tends to be through composed, you know, long form kind of ideas um, where in this band, I just really wanted to just write lead sheets, you know? Yeah. And, um, but in doing so, you know, I kind of realized I was speaking of the frequency and randomness of everything and how much music I was playing in the first few years in New York. I feel like that, um, kind of actually influenced my writing to be a little heavy handed. And I started getting a little uh, too complex for the sake of complex, you know? So right. that, that was one of the things that, and especially cause you could just kind of write whatever and people can figure out how to do it. That was new for me also. So um, the wistful thinking has kind of become like the distillation of that, like getting back to much simpler kind of pastoral melody um, and letting just like that melodic line be, as present as possible as I can, but still in a kind of lead sheet um, fashion so we can get off the page a little easier than people being buried and everything. So it's just kind of like I'm trying to balance out the hyper-controlled part of big band and then the, you know, looser, um, more improvisatory, obviously, part of the chamber thing. Do you find, um, like trying to, with that mindfulness in mind, do you find yourself... Uh, leaning towards writing melodies first or is it or is it still a combination of the two and and or how is that adjusted as you're trying to be more mindful of that you know sense of deliberateness or or, or simplicity or whatnot yeah there, i mean that's a cool question because i think a lot of the i'd say the later half of all the tunes on the record were all written melody first and then hmm. pretty much everything else filled in later and there's a couple that were a little older, like from 2018 or so that just hadn't been recorded yet. But when I was going through everything, I could tell the ones that I had written. It's like, oh, I just like these chords <laughs> and wrote something over it. Yeah. And while I got them up to snuff, you know, it, it was definitely more of a process to kind of clean up the ones that were just less melodic in, in their construction. And then with um, with big band stuff, you know, I've, uh, I'm obsessed with Brooke Myers, like pitch work and how he manipulates everything by writing them out. And, and there was a lot of stuff uh, like that for some of the, the, like the sooner compositions, like uh, the long middle, this yeah. the single, that was like the last one that I'd written. Um, and that was definitely all just melody based. So. Do you think that's also, you know, changed you as a player and everything trying to think of that more melodic stuff? I mean, I, I know personally, like I think of uh, musicians, you know, and there are some that just stand out as like, wow, they are really able to develop an idea, you know, or really able to make it simple and, and whatnot. Has that been something that you've tried to carry over there or have you, you know, or have you just not found it, you know, maybe the, the difference between having that type of a composition and then playing in a different way is a good complement to each other, you know? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I tried to blend the two as much as possible, um, especially over the shutdown when you're kind of just, you're, I was by myself so much and I kind of had a, some time just to figure out how I wanted to retool the approach to improvising. Um, but I was also doing all this writing. So I just tried to find ways to make them as, as combined as possible. 
and trying to think more like spontaneously composing than improvising. Because when I when I start trying to improvise, I kind of lean on um, language that maybe I've absorbed, but it's not mine. You know, it's not. I don't feel as strong a connection to it. It's more just like filling in some things. So that's. I mean, um, when it just comes to trying to push the melodies as far as they can, I'm just trying to. Um, find ways to say one thing over and over, but still keep it interesting. I think that's like my, I'm not necessarily there all the time, but that's what, that's my new thing I'm trying to do. No, man, it's, it's, uh, it's the goal, <laughs> you yeah. know, you, you got to think about like the people like Clark Terry or Oscar Peterson. And it's like, wow, if only I could be a savant on the instrument and make it sound so simple and melodic, you know, uh, trust me if you had figured out the answer to it we were going to have a much much longer phone call and, and understanding right. of it um but man what are you what are you keeping up with now i know the world is kind of opening up again for the time being you know how have things shifted or uh are you going to try and take this band on the road now you know what is what's the goals for sam uh, well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky that I was able to eke out a little uh, CD release tour doing four dates, uh, first one in Brooklyn, and then at Skull Street Studio, and then um, Cafe Vivace in Cincinnati on August uh, 5th, and then August 6th, uh, we're doing a live stream at this great place in Akron called AV Club, and then on Saturday, we'll be at, Saturday 8, uh, 7, we'll be at the Cleveland Bop Stop, so be a nice little run. And, um, after that, I'm just kind of enjoying, going to enjoy the release. And, you know, we have that other record on the, the, on the, you know, in the can. So I'm trying to <laughs> <laughs> figure out when I can get that out too, but, um, yeah, just, uh, try to ride this project as much as we can and, and, uh, try to book some shows and yeah. <laughs> Has that been a tough thing for you? I, I know for a lot of musicians, it's a struggle to have like one project done, you know, that like you're ready to get out there, but then like artistically you're working on the next thing already. You're working, or in this case, two things down the line already, you know, is that, is that a tough balance to go back and forth and be like, okay, I'm, I'm thinking this record. And then I also have this other kind of project that's coming up and then like, Oh wait, I need to do this on the other, you know, how do you juggle it all? I think uh, we should talk to Nick Finzer about that. Cause I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, he's been just such a help cause uh, I'm, I'm incredibly impatient and I just kind of want to like get stuff out, you know? And, and yeah. um, cause once I, I also have a problem, like once I get tired of the music and I sit on it long enough then I'm not as psyched to release it, you know? So that's the thing that I'm kind of struggling with right now, but it's important to be patient. Man, I will <laughs> say as someone that did not, you know, have this music done last year, you know, just checking out, like, it's a great record. It's something you should be excited of. But I, I do. I also understand that though, you know, like there is the degree of being like, that's not where my headspace is like currently, like I want to be doing other things, but it's just also, you know, it's the nature of what we do. Sadly, <laughs> it's just like, Oh man, here we, we do all these things have been like, everyone wants to know, well, what's next? You know, what is, yeah. what is the next thing you're doing? You're like, ah, I just finished this one guys. It's, it's kind of, yeah. I mean, it's definitely all crazy to balance. It's been, it's been fun with this project though, in particular, because, you know, when we recorded, that was my first, we recorded in like late August 
And that was my first time making music with anyone since March. So um, it's kind of like an interesting little time capsule that, uh, you know, it was unfortunate circumstances, but I'm glad we documented it. And then, and then going back to those tunes now to get ready for the tour, it is kind of fun just to uh, think about what a crazy year it was, I suppose. Yeah. Well, man, I, I appreciate you coming on, getting a chance to talk about this. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. That first date in Brooklyn is the third of August, I think. Yes. To celebrate, you know, the album, here we go. Um, I'm sure everyone can find the information on your website. Oh yeah. Uh, Sam Blakesley music.com. Um, you know, is there anything else you want to shout out? Are you doing any other shows coming up worth checking out any other, uh, I don't know. Are you, are you giving away a trombone or is, you know, what's the exciting <laughs> things going on for you? Uh, I might be selling one. If anyone oh, there you go. Well, okay. There, yeah. You know, we could talk. <laughs> so, so hit up Sam Blakesley, you know, uh, maybe selling a, a trombone. He can autograph it for you That's if you right. want, you know, sign the bell or something. Um, but yeah, make sure to check out this album coming out uh, a little over two weeks, July 30th, uh, Spotify, Apple music, Amazon, uh, Pandora. If people still check out Pandora, it'll be everywhere, you know, uh, and it'll be Sam Blakesley and the Wistful Thank You.